I'm super excited about this particular Sunday. This is something that we're going to, we plan to do every, every year. Um, and uh, I, yeah, super, super, of course, excited. I want to start out by talking about something I feel like most of us can at least relate with on a certain level. And it's kind of a confession and just kind of the way I wanted to open the sermon today. I love coffee. Now, let me, let me, well, if you don't like coffee, it's, you're bad. Um, I, I love, I love coffee, and now I haven't always loved coffee. In fact, when I was a kid, my mom used to make Sanka. I, I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have that. It was, it was um, basically dirt in a, in a cup that they charged you for, and she would make it, and I remember sitting at the table with her one morning, and I said, what does that taste like? And she said, would you like to taste it? And I tasted it, and I decided yeah, I'm just not a coffee person because it, gro- it was gross. It was gross. And I went all through middle school, all through high school. Some of you, and, and by the way, some of you are on high school and college. You're like, I drink coffee. A Frappuccino is not coffee. It's not, okay? I don't, I don't care what Starbucks sold you. You're not drinking coffee until you can drink it like God intended for it to be drank, black. That's a coffee drinker. If you put anything in your coffee... You're not as close to Jesus as other people. It's just, it's just the way it is. So anyway, getting ahead of myself. So um, I didn't really drink coffee until I got to college, and I needed to stay up and study for an exam one night. I didn't know, you know how to stay up, and my friend said, let's go. Now, if you're from Anderson, you've been around here for a while, this will mean something. If you haven't been here, this won't mean anything. He said, let's go to Stewart's. Now, the reason Stewart's isn't around anymore is because everybody that used to eat there is dead um, because of the food. But we went to Stewart's, and I drank, no lie, 11 cups of coffee that night. Um, it was up for the next 48 hours, and it was, it was f- phenomenal. But I, I started working some coffee into my life, and I, I had cream and sugar in it at first, and I reduced the cream, and I reduced the sugar, and now I just get up, and I drink coffee black. That's how I like, that's how I like my coffee. Now, I haven't always had great coffee experiences. Um, I remember going to a restaurant once. It was late at night. And I, I ask, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, I asked for decaf. You know where I'm going with this? I asked for decaf, and I, I don't know if they were hard of hearing or they just didn't want to make a fresh pot of decaf, but I did not get decaf. And so at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I don't think this was decaf. I don't think this was decaf. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, so, so e- but even though, even though I've had bad coffee experiences, overall, overall, I love good, hot coffee. Some of you are like, do you drink hot coffee in the summer? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, so we could kind of take that metaphor and, and push it out a little bit. I love, I love church as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I love church. Now, I hadn't always loved church. When I was a kid, um, my mom took me to a, a really boring church. I mean, the preacher would be up there preaching about Jesus coming back, and I would be thinking, now would be a great time because this is, this is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever sat through in my life. And, and everybody goes, oh, but he probably had a good heart. That's awesome. I couldn't see his heart. He couldn't preach. It was awful. And um, I'm just being honest. And so we kind of dropped out of church after my mom passed away. And then I had a friend that said, hey, why don't you go to church with me? Now, his church was charismatic. And when I say charismatic, they were full-blown, all-out like, it, like you, it was an exercise class. It was unbelievable. So I went and stood there the whole time like this. 
And, and the person next to me during the music had, had a question. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And I was like, hey, she's got a question. Um, he was like, no, no, she's worshiping. I was like, oh, looks to me like she has a question. And then, and, and then if you've never been a kid, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just telling you, I've never seen this. And then the lady stood up and spoke in tongues, like in front of everybody. I was like, whoa, what was that? I was like, what'd she say? What'd she say? He was like, sit down, be quiet. I was like, I don't, I don't know what she said. And then, so we all sat down, and then the older woman stood up in the, and said, I am the Lord. And I was like, she, oh, God, she's the Lord? <laughs> Didn't expect it to be a woman. Anyway, so it was kind of weird. <laughs> so then next week, you can't make this up, I went with a friend to a Catholic church. Little different. Little different. Stand, kneel, sit. Stand, kneel, sit. Stand, kneel, sit. It's kind of charismatic without the woo. I mean, no tambourines in the Catholic church, right? And so, so I've had kind of a mixed bag of church experiences. And if you're from the southeast part of the United States, you probably have it well. You, you've probably been to different types of churches and seen different types of environments. And every one of us in here have more than likely had some good experiences at church because if not, you probably wouldn't be here today. And there, some of us have had some negative experiences or some bad experiences at church. But just like I don't hate coffee because I've had some bad coffee experiences I don't hate church because I had some bad church experience. In fact, I, I love church. I still believe that the local church, when it's running right, is the hope of the world. Now, now, I know, please, 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 please. Oh, Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus through the local church, yes, is the hope of the world. And so when I'm talking about church, all of us get these mental images in our minds of what we're thinking, what church is, and what, what is this church, and we've been around for six months, and what do we stand for, and what do we stand against, and what are we going to think about this? Today, I just want to share with you five things, five things that I want for us. Notice I didn't say you, because I'm in this with you. These are five things that I want for our church. Now, this is why I'm excited about this message, because I believe this message is going to help some people go, this is the place for me. And, and it might help some people go, you know what? I love what you guys are doing. It's probably not the place for me. And either way is okay. Because at the end of the day, I love my church. And we're going to keep doing church. So let me just share five things, five things I want for everyone that walks in the doors of Second Chance Church or watches online. What's up, people? I'll talk to you all later on this afternoon. Here we go. Number one, I want a place where we're accepted as we are and not as others want us to be. I want that. I don't want that just for me. I want that for everybody in the room. Because every one of us, every one of us have had to pretend to be something or someone else at some point in our life. I remember years ago, Clemson opened up with Auburn in the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic or something. And so I went down and I had a, um, like a sideline pass and it was really cool. But at halftime, I was hungry. I was like, I got to get, get some food. So I walked by this room. It was the Chick-fil-A like kickoff classic. There was this room and it looked like heaven. It was Chick-fil-A everywhere. I mean, it was, and it said media only. Well, I didn't have a media pass, but I noticed something. I noticed if I turned the pass around it looked like the back of the media passes. And so I thought, I don't think it's a sin to steal Christian chicken. 
I know, I'm, I'm going to hell. I, I understand. But, but so I turned, I, t- I turned the pass around and I walked in and, the, and enjoyed some Chick-fil-A. But the whole time I'm thinking, if they discover what's on the other side of this card, they're going to kick me out of here. Have you ever felt that way at church? See, I want this to be a place where you can show up no matter what happened 10 years ago or last night. I want this to be a place where you don't have to think, if they discover who I really am, they're going to kick me out. Because at the end of the day, until who you really are comes to the surface, you're not living life. Jesus, Jesus was all about this. Jesus was all about meeting people right where they were, in the moment. If you've, been, if you've ever been in church or Sunday school or Bible school, you've probably heard this story, but I want you to look at it through a different lens. Uh, Matthew writes, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is beautiful, by the way, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, here's what's remarkable. Matthew doesn't say Jesus was walking along and he saw Simon and Andrew in a Bible study. He saw Simon and Andrew singing worship songs. No, he saw Simon and Andrew, normal people, doing normal things. And Jesus said, I want you right now, as you are, no changes, follow me. Because Jesus, see, the message of religion is change and you can follow Jesus. But the message of Jesus is follow me and you'll change. And this is for every, see, this is where some people, we lose sight and you go, people say, well, you know, other people are gifted. I'm not that special. I'm not that gifted. I'm not. You, do, you know how, do you know how special you are? The odds of being a human are 1 in 400 trillion. Okay? If your dad wouldn't have had that extra beer, you might not be here. All right? Just think about it that way. Or maybe you don't want to think about that. I don't know. You're a human being. You could have been a tree. You could have been a ladybug. I shared that one time and somebody was like, I would be so awesome to be a ladybug. No, it would suck to be a ladybug. You get thumped off. I mean, no. You're created in the image of God. That means he has a plan for your life. It mean, listen, I don't know who told you that you weren't special, but according to scripture, you are special because God made you in his image, period. Period, you don't know what I've done. No, but I know what he's done, and what he's done is greater than what we've done, and because what he's done is greater than what we've done, I'm gonna go with what he's done over with what we've done. Can we get an eighth? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Now, I've talked about this. I'm gonna talk about this till the day that I die because when I discovered this for the first time about three and a half years ago, it blew my mind. We don't have a category for th- that's equal to a tax collector 2,000 years ago in Jewish culture. 
In Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, if you were a tax collector, it was the worst of the worst of the worst. It, like, we, we, don't, we don't have, um, like, when there were sinners and then there were tax collectors. Tax collectors weren't even good enough to be called sinners. So I can't even begin to emphasize how bad tax collectors were. With that in mind, let's, let's look at this next verse. Matthew writes this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, the original audience, when they read this, this was scandalous. Jesus caught Matthew in the act. Remember when you were a teenager and you got, your mom came home, she wasn't supposed to come home, you got caught in the act. Okay, we won't talk about that, there's kids in here, but, but he got caught in the act. Now you would expect, because of what religion tells us, that Jesus would have said, stop it, you're wrong, fix it, get things right. But what does Jesus do to one of the worst sinners on the planet, according to Jewish culture? This is what Jesus says. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. That's it. Jesus said, hey, I want you right now. Jesus could have said, hey, Matthew, you need to knock it off. Quit collecting taxes. Start reading the Torah. You need to memorize some of it. You need to, no, 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 no conditions. Jesus is like, right now, as you are, follow me. And, and, and the rest of it is, and eventually you'll become who you need to be. So, so for, for those that think that you have to bring the safe, sanitized, fake view to Jesus, that's one of the things he's trying to work out of us. Who are you really at the end of the day? Because we can't be fully loved until we're fully known. Amen. And I want this to be a place where you can walk in <laughs> after a weekend where you've just had an incredible time, and I want this to be a place where you can walk in with the worst hangover ever, yes. and you're still loved, yes. and you're still accepted, and you're still invited to follow this man named Jesus who eventually gets us where we all need to be. Amen. By the way, if we know you have a hangover, we'll put you real close to the speakers. Yeah. All right. Second thing, the thing I want to really point out here before we move on is Jesus didn't call Matthew out. He drew Matthew in. Jesus didn't call Matthew out. Have you, ever, have you ever met somebody that felt like they had to call everything out in you? Don't you just love them? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, 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 I like that. You're the only one that had the honesty to tell the truth right out in front of everybody. I don't like them either. You, they call you for lunch, and you know it's because they want to call something. I just, brother, brother, I've, I'm, I've got some concern. No, you don't, because you only call me when you want to tell me that I suck. So you have no concern at all, right? Anyway, another message, another time. Number two. 
I want this to be a place where we can grow in our walk with Christ at his pace and not someone else's. I want everybody in this room, myself included, to grow in our walk with Christ. But you know every one of us run a different pace? Every one of us. Some of you are like, I don't run at all. And that's fine. I get that. But all of us go a different pace, and that's okay. In my opinion, there's smart people in the world, and there's people like me. There's, I'll put it this way. There's people that can play Jeopardy, and there's people that can play Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Jeopardy people, I'm not like you, but Jeopardy people are like, I'll take Persian kings for 800, Alex. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune people are like, I'd like a D. <laughs> there's four of them. I'd like to buy a vowel. Because that's me. <laughs> You're never going to leave here and go, man, that was deep. That was, man, that Perry is deep. I'm not. I'm not deep. I don't ever. And when, when people tell me that, now I used to get mad. When people tell me you're not deep, I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not. I'm not deep. I'm not deep at all. But at the end of the day, I want for us. Now, listen, Jesus has all called us to become followers, disciples. But I think we've missed what discipleship is. Discipleship means jeopardy, not will of fortune in most people's minds. So I started thinking about this and, and just kind of looking at some definitions of discipleship. And I think, now this is not how I define discipleship. But I think this is how a lot of religious organizations would define discipleship. And a lot of you, a lot of us actually would probably agree with this definition. Disciple is someone who is non-judgmental, practices the spiritual disciplines, and has faith that can move mountains. Would you not agree that this would be a pretty overall good definition of what most religious organizations would call discipleship, yes or no? Okay. Then according to this definition, the actual disciples weren't good disciples. So when we set higher standards for discipleship than Jesus set for discipleship, we have, strayed from rela- we have strayed from relationship into religion. And relationship brings life. Religion brings death. Amen. Every time. You see, Perry, I don't know that I'm agree- I agree with that. I'm glad. I got a few verses I want to read to you. Just to- so let's talk about non-judgmental. A true disciple is non-judgmental. This story, this story doesn't appear in a lot of children's Bibles. Most people just skip right over it, but it's in the Gospels, and it's there for a reason. So let's, let's just read it, because I think it's great. It's awesome. As the time drew near for him, meaning Jesus, to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John, now James and John are like on the inner circle. They're like, they're like the associate pastors, okay? You don't get any closer to Jesus than James and John. 
when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Stop for a minute. Let's just kind of walk through this story really slowly. What were James and John asking Jesus? Hey, Jesus, I got an idea. They didn't accept you. Let's kill everybody. No, seriously, let's just call down, like, men, women, children, dogs, cats, especially cats. Let's just kill everybody. (laughs) Have you ever lost your temper, yes or no? Yeah. And when you lose your temper, sometimes people are like, oh, you're so unchristlike. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So were James and John. I I mean, I've gotten ill. Have I wanted to call down fire on... Yeah, yeah, there's some times in traffic I would love to say, God, this Prius is getting on my nerves. Okay, if you drive a Prius, God, you offend everybody today. But um, can we all agree this is not loving one another? Can we all agree this is not just real? Now, I'm not offering up excuses. Don't leave here today and go, I can hate people because James and John did. No, 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 I'm just showing you that some of us spiritually are further along than other people think we are. How about the spiritual disciplines? If you're a disciple, you would know the spiritual disciplines, which is fascinating when you look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, praying, prayer, prayer, something the disciples should have down, yes or no? Yes, great. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to... What? Teach... Hold on, you're a disciple and you don't know how to pray? You're out. The disciples didn't even know how to pray. So if you're here today and you feel like you're not as good at certain spiritual disciplines as other people, it doesn't mean you you don't love Jesus. It just means different people connect with Jesus in different ways. Now, some people in this room, you are prayer warriors. You pray and stuff happens. Some people journal. Some people read your Bible. Some listen to worship music. Some meditate. I can't meditate. People are like, oh, let's just meditate. No, no, I can't meditate. I'm like, um, the bird. I'm not like, I can't, I can't think. How, how about this one? This, this, one's, this one's great. This is great. Faith that moves mountains. But have you ever felt like you lacked faith? Yeah. Like have you ever prayed for something, you really prayed for it, it happened, and then you were shocked that it happened? Yeah, yeah it happened to me this week. I prayed for something, prayed for something, prayed for something. And when it, when it happened, I couldn't believe it happened. And people were like, oh, you just lack faith. Well, probably I do. I lack faith. So do all of us. But this is where the disciples, the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So even the apostles had no idea how to increase their faith. So if you feel like you're lacking in the faith category, it doesn't mean you're a bad follower of Jesus. It means you're human. And we just need to learn this prayer. Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Amen. That'd be good.
I want this to be a place where you can take your next step. And by the way, everybody in this room, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, everybody in Life Spring in Tennessee, you have a next step in your walk with God. I want you to be able to know what that is and take it in his time, not ours. Amen. Amen. Number three, number three, number three. I want this to be a place where we can move from good to great. Where we, not, not, not well, yes, as a church, but as individuals too, move from good to great. And this happens, this happens as we literally begin to see and ob- observe and serve the needs of other people. People ask me before, hey, how'd you get involved in ministry? It was a complete, I got faked out. That's how I got involved in ministry. I received Christ on May 27th, 1990. Never will forget it. Sunday night service, Baptist church, receive Christ. I go to my associate pastor and I say, I just received Christ. What am I supposed to do? And he was like, you just received Christ. I was like, yeah. He's like, and you, you really don't know what you're supposed to do next. I was like, no. He said, you're supposed to volunteer at Vacation Bible School. It starts tomorrow. <laughs> now, I'm not making this up. <laughs> don't be mad. He's dead now. He's with Jesus. He loved Jesus. But, but if you've ever been in Vacation Bible School, you lack volunteers. And so, and I thought there was a verse or something. I had no idea. I was brand new to this Christian thing. So the next day I showed up as a volunteer for Vacation Bible School. And they put me with the sixth grade boys. Sixth grade boys. First assignment in ministry. Sixth grade boys. But, but there was a girl. There was a girl. Teacher. And she was hot. Her name was Tina Trine. You remember Tina Trine? She was hot, wasn't she? It sounds like, I know, it sounds like a Marvel character. Tina Trine. Tina Trine. But anyway, so... Now, she was not interested in me at all, but, but <laughs> I was like, I'm here to serve. She's like, great. So that week, we did popsicle stick crosses. We did cotton ball Jesus stuff. We, like, we were making crafts, and I'm helping all these kids, and we're cleaning up. And then this is what I, listen, let me tell you something about a Christian woman. She will manipulate you. I know men do it, too. I'm just speaking about how, I'm just telling you all my experience. Don't judge me. I got enough of that already. Um, it was Thursday night. It was Thursday. We just finished up that afternoon. She looked at me and she said, she said oh. I was like, what? 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 She said, I don't, I don't have the lesson prepared for tomorrow. I was like, that is awful. Team Tron? I said, I will pray for you. She said, I was, I was kind of hoping that, that you would do it. And I, I, I was like, yeah, yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> Tina trying. <laughs> so the next day I showed up, that was the first message I ever preached, seven sixth grade boys. I don't even know what it was about. It was awful. I was just like, all right, open your Bibles to... Oh, God, Malachi, let's not go there. Let's go to... I mean, I, and, I, and I shared the gospel... And gave an invitation, and four out of the seven received Christ. Amen. But, but, but listen, listen. I didn't, I didn't walk into the church and say, I just need to, I, hey, I just need for y'all to know, I just gave an invitation, and kids got saved, so I'm gifted, so give me a microphone, let me preach. No, for the next 
year, I would show up to church. I would move chairs. I would clean bathrooms. I would do, I just wanted to be involved. And the reason I say that is because something happens in our lives when we actually serve one another. Jesus, Jesus said this. I didn't come up with this. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great, and that's all of us, no, nobody woke up with a vision for this, their life this morning that I want to suck. Nobody woke up with that. Whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And, and so here at Second Chance, we've got this opportunity every single week for people to step in and serve. And moving into the fall, moving into this fall, listen, this is, and I'll, I'll constantly push this challenge out there. You've got to decide, is this the place you want to just show up and listen to Perry preach, or is this the place you want to plug into? Because if it's the place you want to plug into, I want to invite you to serve other people, not because we need volunteers, but so that you can take another step in your walk with Christ. You say, I don't know what to do. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know enough. Neither do I, and I'm the pastor. So next week, next Sunday... Next Sunday at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a volunteer interest meeting here at Second Chance. If you're interested in volunteering in any capacity, we want you to show up. We've got volunteer opportunities in technology with the, the, the I said technology, production. Production technology, that's, it's kind of the same thing. Greeters, ushers, um, kids. Now, listen, not everybody's called don't feel bad. Some of you are like, I don't feel called to work with kids. Neither do I. <laughs> I was a children's pastor for a year. Can you imagine me as a children's pastor? <laughs> I knew I was not called when I started having dreams at night of punting kids. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. I would never. You've never been in children's ministry, right? <laughs> but, but. In order, listen, in order to open that facility, we need, we need volunteers. And volunteers make a difference. Yep. I mean, re really, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at this room, getting a little choked up at the number of people that volunteered from day one in this place. And I want this, listen, I don't want this to be a place where you just attend. I want it to be a place where you feel like you belong. And you belong, listen, you will feel more like you belong when you volunteer. Hey, there's nothing for me to do in this church. Show up at 4 o'clock next Sunday and let's figure that out. Because I believe there is. And for those of you that volunteer every week, I just, I just got to say this. I thank you so much. Thank you so much for working with the kids and working with the babies and greeting and working on the care team, serving as security and serving as ushers and serving as greeters. We would not be here today without you. Thank you very much. Number four, I want this to be a place where we can see a return on our investment. Somebody told me one time, I remember I was, I was traveling for a while, hated it. Um, I was traveling and speaking and consulting and all this other stuff. And somebody was like, you need to, you need to check out this thing called Uber. And I was like, I, what is it? Like you get a car on your, you get a car to come to you on an app. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It never worked. 
It's the same thing, the same thing that most of us said about the Internet when it first came out. Remember that? That was the dumbest thing I ever heard. It never worked. And now we're all addicted to it. Which, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not judging. I remember somebody told me, and so, so, I, so I was with somebody one time, and they used Uber, and I was like, that looks kind of cool. And now if I do travel somewhere, I don't rent cars anymore. I just use Uber. Now, the reason I bring that up is because I was listening to somebody the other, the other day speak, and somebody asked him, what's your biggest mistake, financial mistake? He said, I passed on the initial investment of Uber twice. I was like, well, that's, yeah, that's pretty bad. That sucks. So I, read, I, read, I started thinking about it. And I'm trying to get, now, now they got Uber Eats. Oh, dear God. Now, I hadn't came to Anderson yet. We still got the Pony Express. But, but, but when it gets here, it'll be amazing. I want this to be a place, though, that we can literally see return on our investment. I know what some of you think. I know what some of you think. You're like, oh, he's going to talk about giving. I am. Because it's all over the Bible. But I'm going to talk about it in a little bit different way. Watch what Paul said. Watch what Paul said. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, that's just true. That's just true. Now, I know televangelists have taken that one and ripped it to shreds. That's not what I'm trying to do because this is what Paul said next. I love this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Stop. Notice Paul did not say you must decide whether or not you want to give. That's not an option. If you're a follower of Christ, Paul said you must decide in your heart how much you want to give. And don't give reluctantly. I agree with that. Like when people go, fine, I'll write a check. Fine, I'll give. No, no, no. Paul said, don't do, don't, no, just calm down, Cletus. Just, just, just. He, I threw that last part in there. Or in response to pressure. Have you ever been pressured to give? Oh, I have. I remember being at a, like a thing. Christians, we love to take love offerings. I remember I was at this thing, and they're like, we're just going to take a love offering at the door. And then once we got inside, they took another offering. And the guy got on stage and talked about the offering. I'm not making this up for an hour, 20 minutes. And I was like, I'll just give for you to shut up. Like, I, I'll just give. And, and then I reached in my pocket. I had a $5 bill. I was in college. I had a $5 bill on me. And he said, some of y'all just reached in your pocket and got a $5 bill. If that's what you did, put it back in your pocket because we don't want five. We want 20s. Oh, wow. Wow. So I just stuck it back in my pocket. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that here. I just want to say, I want this to be a place where you see a return on your investment. And I don't want you to give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I want you to be cheerful about the fact that we started as an Internet campus only. I want you to be cheerful about the fact that we were able to sign a three-year lease on this building. I want you to be cheerful about the fact that we were able to upfit this building and pay cash for it without having to borrow a single dime. I want you to be cheerful in the fact that we were able to lease the children's space about two doors down and we're going to upfit it and we, we don't have to finance a dime. I want you to be cheerful about the fact that we're getting ready to start a 6 o'clock service. I want you to be cheerful about the fact that we've seen over 620 salvations happen since we started this church. I want you to be cheerful about the fact... I want you to be cheerful about the fact that this week I took a look at a facility that's 28,000 square feet that's probably going to be our next step because we've already outgrown this building. I want you to be cheerful about that. 
we're going to reach as many people as possible. That's, and, and, I want you to, and I want you to have a part in that. I want you to have a part in that. And then, and then Paul finishes out this way. And God will give generously, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. I know this is true in my life. I know this is true in my life. And so I'm just talking about when it comes to your finances, I want you to feel like this is a place you can comfortably invest in financially. Knowing that at the end of the day, oh, by the way, let me just answer a question because I want to I answer this and move on. Well, Brother Noble, how much do we give to missions? <laughs> Every dime. Because right. right. how in the world can we reach Algeria or Albania when we're unwilling to reach Anderson? Yeah. Anderson is our mission. And once we get it established here, listen, I believe in foreign missions. We'll do foreign missions. I think we need to go to Bora Bora. I should probably go there for a month and reach. Anybody want to recon with me? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> last but not least, last but not least, I want a place where we value you more than a view. Where we value you more than a view. Because we've all lost focus before, haven't we? I was, <laughs> I was driving to the hospital one morning. I was going to get some, I had to get a, some, a blood test. And uh, they were, you know, it's just a random blood test. Nothing's wrong with me. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> and it's back when I used to listen to the radio. I don't listen to radio anymore. It's either audiobook or podcast. But I used to listen to radio. And they were interviewing somebody, and, a, and it was a friend of mine. Like, I knew this guy. Like, I, like we called each other. We talked to each other. He was on the radio. And I kind of geeked out. I was like, that's my buddy. And so I stopped the car, and I got out of the car, and I'm walking into the, the hospital area, and I'm texting him, OMG, it was so good to hear you on the radio. Now, I didn't see the tree, and I'm convinced Y'all, walking and texting is as dangerous as driving and texting. I live downtown. I've been, like, texting, heard car horns blowing, like, what? Oh, I'm in the middle of the freaking road. This is not good. Okay, come here. It's Chance's fault. It's my dog. He's crazy. I walked right into the tree. I walked into it so hard that I was like, something's on my face. And it was blood. So I just walked into the nurse, and the nurse said, uh, why are you here? I was like, I'm here to get blood. I'm a, I'm step, I'm, I'm a step ahead. I'm a step ahead. <laughs> but I've never forgotten that because it, it, that caused me to lose focus. There's people here today, it's a miracle you're here. Because you've been the victim of somebody that lost focus. Maybe a church. Maybe, maybe you're watching online. You said you'd never go back to church because of the way they treated your divorced mother or your gay brother. Perry, what's our stance on blank? Pause. The only reason you're asking what our stance is is because you have a stance you want us to take. My stance is this. People are created in the image of God. I don't care who they vote for. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their preferences are. Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, and if he can value them, this church can value them, and this church will value them. Amen. That's what That's we do. 
You would, you would be amazed. You'd be amazed at the emails that I've gotten. Perry, can I come to your church? Let me tell you a little bit. Yes, yes, come on in. Come on in. The only person we've had to say no to is somebody emailed us and said, can I carry a concealed weapon at church? I'm like, no, dear God. No, <laughs> no I've got one. But you got, I'm not, not on me. I'm just kidding. I know a lot of people that have walked away from church because of religion. But I don't know anybody that's walked away because of Jesus. Jesus said this. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Now, he's sitting talking to his 12 apostles. And these people couldn't have been more different. They couldn't have been more different. He said, I want you to, I want you to love one another. He said, just as I have loved you unconditionally, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your doctrinal statements. Not you putting on social media how much you enjoyed your time with the Lord this morning. Your love for one another. Even the people you don't agree with. And God has a way of teaching me this. This morning, this morning, can't make this up. I live downtown, Anderson. I got up at 4 o'clock, take chance outside because you got to go pee. I usually just kind of open the door and let him kind of sneak out and he kind of goes out and he kind of, why do dogs have to sniff everywhere? I'm just like, God, what if humans did that? What if we, so, so I just, Lots of questions, lots of questions. I ain't wrong. <laughs> so anyway, I let I Chance out. And as I'm letting him out, I live over a bar. There's four people still at, the, at a table outside the bar at 4 o'clock. I mean, I've heard of shutting it down. They are involved in a conversation. And all I want is for my dog to go pee. And one of the, <laughs> one of the guys turned around, I recognized him. He's like, Pastor P. I was like, what's up? And I called him by name. He said, come here, man. We need some of that preacher shit. (laughs) Brand new experience in my life. I was like, okay. I got a little of that. I reserved most of it for my church, but I think I can share some with y'all. I got to step outside my apartment and have a 10-minute conversation about Jesus. And I didn't say, hey, I can't. Y'all have y'all been drinking too much. Y'all out here cussing. Y'all out here yelling. Y'all out here making a bunch of noise. No, 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 you know what? I just said, you know what Jesus called me to do? He called me to step in situations and love people as they are. It doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter how they appear. I'm called to love them as they are. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, let me just, let me just tell you this and I'll be done. I don't want to be your police chief and I don't want to be your referee. I want to be your pastor. I want to I just try my best to model for you 
how to follow Jesus one step at a time. I'm not perfect. I will screw it up. But when I screw it up, I'll get back up. And so will you. So will you. So will you. It happens. It happens through this thing called surrender. Just people going, you know what, Jesus? I just surrender my life to you. Now, maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian here today. You've given your life to Jesus at some point. Maybe you've fallen down or you've fallen away or you turned away. Maybe you sprinted away. I don't know. And you've got a reason. I'm, I'm wondering today, would, be, would today be the day where you could say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to surrender. I, I, I want to take my next step. If you'll show me what my next step is, I want to take it. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe today is the day where you go, I'm tired of running and I'm tired of fighting. I surrender. With that in mind, can we stand? Father, I want to thank you for everyone here today, everyone online, everyone in overflow, everyone, Jesus, who's going to listen to this message. Father, that you love us as we are. And you love us too much to let us stay that way. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you have the courage right where you stand to ask Jesus, what's my next step? What's my next step, Jesus? And maybe once you know what that is, just say, I'll do that. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus because you thought you couldn't do all that stuff. Listen, even the disciples couldn't do all that stuff. It's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus has done for us. So if you're here today and you want to pray to ask Jesus into your life, you want to give your life to Jesus, then I want you right where you stand right now, just, to, just in your heart, just pray, Jesus Christ, come into my life and take over. I surrender everything to you. If, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer all over this room, would you hold your hand up because I want to pray for you? I just want to pray for you. Just put your hand in the air and put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Right here. Three, four. Yes. Amen. Amen. Anybody else online? Father, thank you for these hands. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you're here for us. And thank you that in you, the best is always yet to come. Thank you, Jesus, that people are going to be nice as they're getting their free. They're free, Jesus, T-shirt. That they'll remember you when they wear it to the restaurant and they'll tip good. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.